There are four basic rules to choosing your career. The work has to be the reward. An interesting career is better than a fun career. A career doesn't have to be a straight line and beware of unhealthy passions. My dream for you is to learn about how careers are built. Each interview shares some gems. Sit back and enjoy. Welcome to Thinking About Building Your Career. I'm Janice Saunders, your host, certified professional life coach and creator of the Confident Speaking Skills System. Along with being a mom and a lover of all things competitive swimming, I'm a mentor to young people from middle school to midlife, doing my part to empower each of you to dream bigger and leave a legacy you can be proud of. Today, I'm in conversation with Sarita Hatcher, a titan in the financial industry. I appreciate you being with me today and sharing a bit about your journey and how you have built your amazing career. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm well, how are you? I'm doing great. How is uh, pandemic life working out right now? Uh, we survived another day. So two kids in third grade and a two-year-old. Yes. Um, and my yeah. all home pretty much at the same time. We rotate around who's on what computer, who's in what room, which day, but we survived another day, so. <laughs> I know, what, what, a, what a blessing. That's the, that's the real deal, what a blessing. Absolutely. So today we're really going to be getting into, Sarita, how you got your start, how you made, went about making your mark in the industry of finance. But I hear you didn't start out a finance major. What'd you start out doing? Sure. So I, uh, I, I attended Villanova University. Um, and my freshman year, I was an engineer. I was in engineering school. Uh, my thought process there was in grade school and high school, I enjoyed working with numbers. Um, and so engineering seemed like it'd be a good place for me. Um, but I quickly learned that I wasn't very good at a lot of the core requirements needed for engineering. Um, and so after my freshman year, actually in the middle of my freshman year, I began meeting with you know, various advisors, both, both within the engineering school within the liberal arts school, but also within the business school to kind of figure out what my next step would be, because I knew it would not remain in the engineering school. Um, ultimately, I wanted to go to the business school, but I needed to really bring up my grades from how engineering, <laughs> how poorly I did in engineering that first year. Um, and so I transferred into the liberal arts school, um, began taking courses in economics because at Villanova, um, economics is both a major that you can have within the liberal arts school and the um, and then the school of business. So while I was taking those classes and building up my GPA, I also stayed in contact with professors and advisors in the business school. Um, didn't realize that I was actually networking, but when I think back, that's really what it was, right? Staying in contact with the people in the business school so that they knew that I was really interested in transferring over there. So by my junior year, my grades were at a point that I could uh, ap apply to the business school and successfully get in. So that's one point I would point out here is like, once you get into the university um, and if you wanna transfer schools, you still do have to 
apply. It's not as rigorous as when you were first trying to enter the, the university itself, but there is a, a process that you have to go through to transfer from one school to the next. Well, you know, what I'm hearing you say is that number one, what I started out to do, I realized might not have been for me. So that happens sometimes, right? I mean, it happens. Absolutely. It happens more times than not. Young people start out and what you think you want to do is not really what you want to do. You looked at your skills. You did a little bit of a skills assessment. Mm -hmm. Did you do anything formal at the university? I didn't. I, um, I spoke with you know, people from my high school actually that I, I considered mentors to just kind of talk through the things that I, that I was thinking. But you know, this was back in 2001. Um, and if there was kind of a formal assessment on, on campus, I wasn't aware of it. Um, I just kind of honed in more on what I thought my skills were. And actually the, the skills that I thought were my strengths actually did well in, in the engineering school. It was more about the other things that you are required to do. It's not just all about necessarily the numbers. It's some coding. There is, um, I had a hard time with uh, design shapes and 3D structures and things like sure. that. So um, yeah, it was, I didn't take any formal assessment. It was more about kind of self-reflection and speaking with people that, that I trust. And it's good to do self-reflection, especially at a point where you're not doing well at something instead of just totally trashing it and quitting, you, you went to mentors, number one, which is, it was an excellent step. You said, hey, I wanna stay in this school. How can I do this? They, they gave you the recommendation to switch over to liberal arts, get yourself together and then apply to the business school, right? So you mm -hmm. had a plan, Right. you had a plan. Now I'm wondering, did, your, did the vision of your future lifestyle come into play when you thought about majoring in and going into the business school? It did not actually. Um, I was more focused on what I would major in and completing undergrad. Like that was a huge um, milestone and focal point for me and my family, not necessarily deciding what that would translate to in terms of a career. Right, so if I think about how I have, how I've thought about the word career over my life, right? When I was in high school, it's more about, you're gonna get to college, you're going to major in something and you're gonna finish college. As I was at university, it was more about, okay, well, I really wanna get into the business school because I want to major in finance and economics. And then coming, you know, really during my junior years when I started thinking about careers and internships, which I think for young people today is kind of late in the game, it seems. It seems that, you know, young adults these days are thinking about their internships as early as freshman year, which kudos to them, but um, I definitely wasn't. And so as I started my career, I thought, all right, well, I'm starting in the, in the finance industry. I'm starting in uh, this particular business, and this is where to sit. I said it right now, and this is where I'm going to be for the next X amount of years of my career. And that's actually not what, that's not, it's not what happens at all, right? You can stay within a particular industry and have several different career moves within that industry. So I think as a, of a career as evolving every 18 months, every five years, you're always reassessing where you are in your career and um, what 
your next step is going to be. Every 18 months, every five years, you want to do like a slight review. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm writing definitely. that down. That may be a quote that I that I, that I put that I pull out <laughs> because you, you know it's it's when when you first start your career, you don't know how long you're supposed to stay in a position. You know, nobody gives you the roadmap and says, this is the job you're going to do for two years, and then you're going to go to the next job, and you're going to do five years, and the next job, this. It doesn't work like that, you know? And plus, you know, you you might say, hey, you know, I really don't like this. Or, hey, I really like this part. And careers now are just, they're a zigzag. Yeah, I, I like to say they're... Um... It's a marathon in a sense, not only in the sense that it's long, but also, okay, I'm not a runner, but this is what I think happens in a marathon, right? You pace yourself at a certain way, depending on where you are in the marathon, right? So um, I could be in the same industry as I've been for 13 years, but there's also different promotions that happen throughout the career, out your career. And so um, if I'm in a year where this is a promotion year for me, I know that I'm going to up the pace a bit. Um, I'm going to be, I'll let my family know that Jamie, no, listen, this, this year is going to be really like grind time. I'm, I'm aiming to get to this level by this date. Um, and so I'm working with, you know, my management team to figure out how I can get there. And so there are times when you are really uh, put to the pedal in terms of what you're doing in your career. And there's some, t- some years when you pull back a little bit and that's okay because your career is a marathon and it's not about necessarily getting to finishing um, as if it was a sprint. Right, unless some people are just rushing to get somewhere, you know, cause that, that happens as well. Yeah. <laughs> but I have to ask you though, because you know, your career has been illustrious in a short time. I, in case <laughs> you haven't read Sarita's bio, Sarita is a <laughs> vice president at Morgan Stanley and I would just like for you to share about some of the mentors that you've had along the way, some of the people who've made an impact on you and how you've made these decisions to move your career. Yeah, so this one was tough for me because there's so many people um, and I really have to take it all the way back from like my childhood with my, my parents and my grandparents and just them always instilling in me how important an education is Foremost, first and foremost, and then them signing me and my sister up for various activities to help uh, keep us run well-rounded and informed about just different options in our lives. Um, also thinking about high school, right? So I went to an all-girl Catholic school and there um, I was again really empowered to uh, find my voice and speak up and have confidence in, in myself. Um, and in fact, the, you know, the impact of, of my coach there and, and two teachers in particular is actually why I even began looking at Villanova University. And so without them, I've probably not even known about that, about Villanova. I didn't think about it. Um, thinking about being at Villanova specifically, right, my, my coaches, Harry Parada, uh, Joe Mulaney, Mulaney, and Lynn Tai, who's a senior women's administrator there. Um, I walked onto that team and they you know, gave me a scholarship uh, my sophomore year for the remainder of my time there. And whenever I was having issues, um, either at school or personally, they were there to help me. Um, so I definitely had a lot of support throughout my career. And I'll just think about the 13, almost 14 years that I've been in the industry. It's really about you know, the, 
mentors and sponsors. And so we could probably have a whole nother session on the distinction between a mentor and a sponsor and how you um, cultivate those relationships. But, um, you know, those are important to have throughout your career. And there are people that I've met at Goldman Sachs, I'm not there anymore, who I still keep in contact with now as, as mentors. And at Morgan Stanley, I'm building uh, relationships and, and, and getting sponsor sponsorships. Um, I would have to definitely shout out Carla Harris, um, who's a member of our church, right? S.A. Charles, I've known her uh, since I was a child now, and she's always been someone that I feel that I can call with any question, um, not specifically about Morgan Stanley, but just about how to navigate, how to be a woman, a black woman um, in the finance industry, so, yeah. I have to shout out Carla also. Carla has been an inspiration to so many people, me included. Um, you know, I wouldn't have written my first book if it hadn't been for Carla. I saw her selling a book. I was like, you know what? That's what I want to do. And I went and did it. Good. You know, yeah. she, she's Good. an inspiring woman like that. So we are blessed yeah. to, uh, to have her. So I hear you saying that there were mentors and you had to cultivate those relationships with those mentors. Yeah. You know, that's one thing that I think young people could hear a little bit about. When you talk about cultivating a mentor-mentee relationship, what's, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Because it's, it has a positive out, outcome, but kind of has a negative kind of feeling for people. Yeah, so it can be awkward. Right, awkward is a better word, not negative, awkward. Yeah, um, unless it's truly organic, right? The best situation is, is you meeting somebody who's a little more senior than you or much more senior than you, and you guys connect for whatever reason. Yeah. And organically, the mentoring relationship comes, comes about, whereas you know, if you're having questions about maybe the next step in your career or a particular situation you're dealing with and your group, you feel com comfortable going to this person mm -hmm. and kind of just talking that through. Um, for me, usually my mentors are people that are not inside of the business that I work for or work with. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, you would have your sponsors are the ones that are more directly aligned with kind of the business that you're working on. Mm -hmm. Now, I've also had successful mentorship relationships where it was based on matching. So, um, you know, I think, especially in finance, you know, these organizations do a good job at various levels of trying to match people with mentors. And it's usually based on some type of criteria you fill out. And that's where it can get awkward because you were matched based on some piece of paper that you filled out and right. you meet and either it goes well or it doesn't. But mm -hmm. as, a, as a mentee and even as a mentor, I would say more for the mentee, because uh, you're probably the one looking looking to get more out of the relationship, you have to feel empowered to just say if it's not working, right? Don't continue to set up these catch-ups and meetings if it's just causing you anxiety, you're not getting anything from the, right. from the conversation. Um, and it's also a little, I could, it could be a little awkward because you have to, you have to kind of do the work as the mentee to come to the conversation and come to the table prepared Yes, yes. The thing you, talk about, right? you can't just show up and, and just try to wing it. You really have to think about what's important to you and your career, what's going on in your business unit and, and really try to come prepared. 
what I've heard, what I've what I've heard and discussed with young people in their career is that what's your bring your goal to the conversation. Maybe it's a competency that you need to improve. And ask your mentor, you know, how do you think you can improve this competency? Because this is a competency that you need to advance your career. And then right. you can kind of have some place that you're going with that. And it's, right. it's and again, it's it's if it's organic, that's one thing. But if it's not, then you can still bring your goal, what you need to the conversation and kind of ask for input on how to do that. And then mentee has to get on the ball and do it. Do it. Yeah. Oh, yes. You have to, there has are, to get on the ball and do it. Nothing frustrates yeah. mentors more than a mentee that doesn't implement. Absolutely. You, you get, you're giving advice and then you come to the next meeting and the mentee hasn't done anything that you guys talked about. And, and, the, and even the ones that may are a little more awkward, um, I would say the, my longest standing mentor at Goldman Sachs was the man that I was matched with kind of throughout filling out a form, right? He was, he was actually my mentor for, for 10 years there. And we were just able to kind of grow together throughout our, our careers. So, you know, the awkwardness can fade, right? It's just that initial meeting. And especially if, if it's early in your career and you're not used to having these types of conversations. Right. Um, it, you know. Might I add just one thing about confidence and courage and awkwardness right here. I tell you, if you can get used to that, that awkwardness, that uncomfortableness in starting those conversations, it's gonna take you farther. That's what builds up your confidence in even having these conversations. And I've, I've talked to several you know, people that are in their careers just like you, Sarita, and find that the more comfortable you can get with being a little uncomfortable as it goes through, like this 10 year relationship turned out to be wonderful. Yes. Very, very affirming for your career. Mm -hmm. And you don't know if it was an identity, you know, based mentor, if it was somebody who looked like you or was not from from your from your group. You know, there's all these types of, you know, literature out here about do you need an identity based mentor? Mm -hmm. And sometimes yes, sometimes no. You just really need a mentor who you connect with. And you can have more than one. Yes, yes, definitely. There's no, I don't, I've never seen anybody have one mentor, right? I don't mm -hmm. think that even exists. I don't <laughs> even think that exists. So who, you know, we talked about who were some of the people that kind of made an impact mm -hmm. on your process as you've gone through. I always, you know, Michelle Obama is my idol. And um, I always like to, did you read her book, Becoming? I did not. That's okay. I mean, I, I, I shouldn't have asked you that. I mean, it's just I one of those things. That's, that's okay. It's totally all right. I mean, you know, she wrote a book becoming I and wrote it was a book. amazing. I heard it's amazing. There was a tour. One of the things, one of the things she said in her book was that I'm still trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> and I just like to ask everyone, how does that land on you? having been so focused in your career in finance? It's bullseye. It's a bullseye because I've been in this career. I've been in this industry 
you know, for, for almost 14 years, but that doesn't mean it's, it's a career that's always evolving. It's, I'm definitely not, um, I have not, how can I say this? Um, I am not nowhere near where I want to be, either within this industry or outside of this industry. And so um, I definitely have a lot of growing to do. And so I definitely, you know, feel Ms. Michelle Obama's statement about, I'm still figuring out what I, what I want to do when I grow up, 14 years into this industry. Um, and who knows, in, in 10 years, it might be, in five years, and 18 months might be in another industry, but it's definitely, um, a lot of self-reflection and, and reassessment um, about where I am right now in my career and, and how I want to take that forward. So I definitely, uh, her, her statement definitely resonates with me. I mean, it just, it, 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 it tends to young people thinking, well, I want to be this and that's all I'm going to be. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. I mean, life is forgiving like that, thank goodness. You know what I mean? Just in case yeah. you decide something and you're just like, that doesn't work for me. You can change. You can, you know, make yourself into something else. You can, well, you can transform. Me, when I, you know, when I started at Villanova, right, I, I thought I was going to be an engineer and, and quickly learned I wasn't. And so maybe that's just the kind of person I am. For me, it's, I'm, I'm not going to get caught up on kind of what's not working. Okay, it's not working. Let's reassess. If at some point in my career, you know, I, it either feels that I've, I've done all that I've wanted to do in, the, in this industry, or I there's no more growth for me in this industry. Um, then we reassess and, and we find the next step. So it's definitely about you know self-reflection, self-assessment. What what's what type of skill you know? What are my skill sets? What are some skill sets that I want to build upon? Always this mind is always thinking. Which which that's that's the best part about this, right? Is the mm -hmm. mind is always ticking. You know, you're thinking. What that says to me is that you're thinking about what your next move is. You're thinking about, hey, wh where do I want to go with, with Sarita and my family? What, mm -hmm. do, what type of impact do I want to make and where? Right. You know, right. those, are, those are some of the, you know, the little things I hear ticking around in your, um, in your mind. So do, do you uh, have mentor, uh, a mentee at your, your, uh, your job now? I'm sure you do. Well, I'm actually only uh, six months in at Morgan Stanley. I just started. Uh, I started right before the pandemic, um, but I um, I do have some mentee relationships out, kind of outside of um, Morgan Stanley or even Goldman Sachs. Just you know, people I've been in contact with, where I just try to you know drop some some knowledge about some of the things that I've gone through. Well, the reason I asked you is because I would, you know, if you could share, would like for you to share a few tips that young people can, uh, you know, maybe just put into their, into their strategic thinking about college and career. Right. Um, right. I would definitely start off by saying, uh, use your voice. You know, if you have an opinion or a view about something, this is, you know, I would say more so once you start your career, I think people who are more junior might sometimes feel timid or intimidated to speak up about their opinions. And so 
you were hired to the organization for a reason. Uh, you were invited to meetings for a reason. And so I don't want to, you know, I'm not saying just speak to have, you know, just speak because you're at the meeting, but if you really have an opinion or a view that you want to convey and it's thought out, don't be afraid to speak up. Um, I know early on in my career, I was a bit timid about asking questions or even voicing opinions during meetings. Um, I would also say, you know, at least for, for my generation, my parents and my grandparents would say like, you know, keep your head down and, and do a good job. Um, that is no longer the way to operate, right? It, of course you wanna do a good job, you wanna do a great job, but it's important that people know about the job that you're doing. Uh, you know, leverage your managers, there's things called posting, right? You wanna post people. It's a fine line between posting and bragging so that, you know, it's a technique that you have to learn, but you definitely want to make sure that people are aware of the work that you're, that you're, that you're doing. Along with that, there's a networking aspect, right? Again, you want to do a great job, but you also want to know, you know, you want to also want to know people at the organization. Um, and lastly, I would say just understand how your role and your particular silo impacts the larger organization. Um, you know, it's always good to have like a top level view of, of how what you're working on impacts everything else. Because as you build your network and as you're having these conversations, you might be able to plug in uh, what you're working on with what somebody else might also be working on. Um, sponsors and mentors are hugely important, but we spoke about that um, a little bit before, but you know, definitely, yeah, from early on in your career, you want to make sure that you're thinking about cultivating those relationships. Well, those are those are definitely three tips that I think that folks can folks can utilize. I wrote down, you know, use your voice. Mm -hmm. you know, just don't be afraid to give your opinion, and don't think that you were hired to sit there. You were <laughs> hired for a reason. They think that you have something to contribute, contribute. Mm -hmm. And what I, what I also hear you saying is that you need to, if you're one of those people who's a little timid, right? Maybe you're a little shy, maybe you need to prepare to, 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 to contribute, right? Yes. You know, maybe before the meeting, you might wanna brush up on what's going on in that meeting. And like you said, how what you're doing connects to the overarching goal of that meeting in the entire company and be thinking about that beforehand so that mm -hmm. if the conversation goes one or two ways, you have something that you've thought about to add because winging it may not, is not everybody's best strength. I don't know you, what, what your feeling on that is. It ain't mine, I can tell you that much. I prepare, <laughs> I prepare for everything, um, that's just, how we operate, so. Yeah, I, I mean, and, and I think that at times, because, and I'm not making a knock on, on young people, but, or anything, I'm just, it's just very casual. You know, the lifestyle is casual, you know, conversations are casual. However, when you get into corporate America, it becomes so much more, less casual, and more right. about, are you prepared to produce? With the time, and you can be casual in terms of you have to be prepared, right? Like, 
you can be casual, but you must be prepared. So I do think in the finance industry, you know, we are trying to be a little more, I think people see us as very um, maybe uptight and button up. And, you know, there are a lot of, I think, stereotypes about people who work in, in the financial services industry. Um, and so I have seen some of that kind of relax a little bit. A lot of the companies now have social media pages and Instagrams and things like that. Uh, so I, I think it's, so, it's okay to have a level of, of a casualness, but you have to be prepared. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a time and place for casualness and then there's a time <laughs> and place for I'm ready. Yes. Yes. You know, to, to do my part. And, that, and, that's, and that's important because we want you to be able to shine. Absolutely. You know, and you don't want to shine in the wrong way. You want to shine in the way that makes you really shine. So yes. mm-hmm. that's important. So can you, you know, share how you moved up? Because, you know, I think <laughs> that, you know, you don't start one day. What was your entry level position at Goldman Sachs? Did you have an internship there? Yes, I was a summer intern for two summers, actually. Mm. Um, yes, I actually, I had an offer. So I was at Villanova for five years. Um, and after my junior year, I had a summer internship at Goldman Sachs. Got it, did well, had a full-time offer. Uh, and then asked the coaches at Villanova if I could stay for another year because I <laughs> I had a great internship. I, I knew that's where I wanted to be, but I was not ready to be uh, a full-time professional yet. Uh, and so luckily that worked out such that uh, Goldman Sachs gave me a another summer internship. They couldn't guarantee me an, an offer for I know a year down the line, but they I did get another summer internship. Um, which I excelled at, and then I received a full-time offer. Um, and so I started, started as an analyst in a department called Controllers. Um, and I, I, you know, I was a product controller. I've done, and, and this is one of the points within like the whole career pro- progression, right? I've, on the surface, I've been in financial services, right, for 14, 14 years, but I've done so many roles with, in financial services. Um, so I've been a product controller, I've been a regulatory controller, I've done project management. Um, and so my career progression, I think, has been a little, uh, not as steep as others, because I've done a lot of different things, mm-hmm. right? I suppose that there are some people who kind of stay in the same group and, and probably progress a little faster. But um, I went from analyst to associate uh, to vice president. And um, I was a vice president at Goldman Sachs for five years before I left and came to Morgan Stanley. So it's been. Well, that, that just gives us a little, what it says to me is that when you do a great job at an internship, you have some flexibility and you've networked and you've got some sponsors in the room. So when you come back to interview, it's a good chance that you might get a job. So that's a strategy you know, that, that young people can kind of employ. And the other thing is, is that you went about putting yourself in positions that weren't directly in a line. Right. And that kind of shored up your base and gave you a lot of, of knowledge in a lot of different areas, which seems to me to be really good 
and solid so that your foundation is really strong in the industry. So that you not only know one thing, you know multiple, you have mastery in a lot of different areas. So I, I think that that was also- Thank you, that's a great summary, thank you. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, I'm, I'm just summing it up for the, you know, for the listeners that, you know, just so you can see how that's what's valued. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was where you were bringing the value for your company. And we were talking a little bit earlier, kind of offline about, you know, how being a student athlete was really part of how you, what kind of opened the door for Goldman Sachs for you. You know, I was a student athlete as well. I want you to share a little bit about your experience as a student athlete and why you think that opened the door for you for Goldman Sachs. Right, yeah, definitely. So when I applied for an internship uh, with Goldman Sachs, I was not yet in the business school, right? I was still in the liberal arts school, um, majoring in in economics. Um, And I had at that point no work experience in the sense that I spent the the summers before that at Villanova taking classes, working the basketball camps. And so I was struggling with what to put on my resume in terms of like how I prepare for even submitting my resume. I work with the Career Center and um, they're actually like, listen, you should point out the fact that, you know, you're on the basketball team um, because that demonstrates once because of the sport of basketball, you are able to collaborate and to work, work within a team. And as a student athlete, you need to have a higher level of time management uh, to be able to factor in practices with your schoolwork and your classes. And then also from the communication standpoint, you know, we have to be able to discuss with our professors various timelines. There could be times that we're traveling where we might not be able to uh, meet a deadline. And so having, you know, being able to communicate with the professor and, and talk about maybe altering, usually pushing the deadline up before others have to have it due, you have to have it due, but really being able to do that. And so that's what I did. and. Um, as I went through the process, right, and I got called back for another round, I kind of called back for my super day, I, I really, like, took pause, like, why, you know, I was kind of confused a little bit as to, like, how I made it this far. Then once I actually had the internship and I was speaking with some people on the team, um, they, you know, just kind of validated that for me, the fact that um, I, they could see that I was a true team player, um, that I... Um, was, was going to be able to communicate different initiatives with the team. I was going to be able to um, kind of work independently. If they gave me a task, I would be able to execute it or ask the questions that I needed. And so, you know, if there are any student athletes listening to this webinar, I would just say, you know, don't be afraid to uh, apply for those internships because your experience as a student athlete is um, very valuable. I I appreciate you sharing that because it is just right where so many people are. And you did you did this the way it ought to be done is use your career center, number one. That's your first line of defense is using your career center. But what what was excellent was that bringing in all of the stuff that makes basketball an amazing thing. And plus, people love Villanova basketball. Let's be realistic, (laughs) you know. And just talking about how collaboration, those are key competencies in corporate America, teamwork, time management, communication skills. These are all competencies that 
you know, companies really look for people who know how to make an impact positively in those areas. If you can't manage your time, it's going to be really hard for you to be an employee at, a, at you know, who's got some serious deadlines. So right. being able to demonstrate how you were able to, uh, how you were able to do that and just keep rolling with the interviews, you bought into the system, which was good too. After the initial, how did I do this? You know, then you got it because a lot of young people are struggling with what to put on their resume. You know, if you don't have any work experience. I, mm -hmm. And I'll just put a personal note right there for me. When I, when I started interviewing, I didn't, I didn't even have but one internship. And I said, what am I gonna put on my resume? And I had swimmer and it just led from there because that just in people's minds, they thought swimming was one thing and they just went down the line, self-starter, this, that. And all of those things were true. And the stories that I could tell were about being a self-starter and that just you know, opened, opened, opened the door on my first job. So, you know, you gotta use what you got. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Got to use what you got to don't get think you have is not enough, right? Don't don't count yourself out. You have to put your, you know, put yourself in the ring to even don't count yourself out, right? Like you have to give yourself the opportunity or give people the opportunity to assess your skills um, and not just think you're you're not uh, qualified to for the for the internship or the position. And not only that, you got to have shots on goal too, just to keep the basketball <laughs> analogy going. You know, it's just not going to happen with one thing. You got to have to take multiple shots with multiple companies and multiple times, and to see what's gonna what's gonna really click for you. So, Sarita, we got some questions. <laughs> Great. I'm gonna uh, ask one. Of, CC had a question uh, about: uh, Were you automatically promoted, or did you ask your manager to be promoted? So none of my uh, promotions were automatic. There are kind of core competencies or certain things that you are expected to display or to be doing um, for each promotion level. And so for me, when I felt that I was approaching those standards, or if I felt that I already met those standards, it's about it was about having that conversation a year in advance. So let's say the promotion season is is you know November, December, and January. I'm having conversations with my manager about well, here's how where I think I am. Where do you see me to make sure that we are on the same page? And if we're not, how can we get on the same page? And then it's about checking in periodically. Maybe it's monthly, maybe it's quarterly to make sure that we are still on the same page. That I'm getting, I am. Um, reaching the level that I need to reach in order to be promoted. So that when the promotion season comes around, uh, there are no surprises. I'll take my, my vice president promotion, for example. I wanted to be put up for the promotion the year before they actually did put me up. Um, and we talked about why I felt that way and why they felt that I wasn't ready. And it was a, a constructive conversation, um, but it, I made sure that that next year, there was going to be no question about them putting me up for, for the promotion. Um, so just like conversations like that, it wasn't automatic. It was, 
I would say it's kind of like asking, but more like looking at the core competencies to see how I stacked up versus what the expectations are. I think that a couple of things, a couple of a couple of things came out there, and I'm not sure if that answered the question, Cece. But if it didn't, just pull back in the chat and and let me know. But what I want to add is that you did a few things. You started early, mm -hmm. asking about, you know, you know the promotion season's coming up in November, December. In January, you meet with your manager because you have on your mind, this is what I want to do this year. So you're having a goal setting meeting so that you strategically work the entire year so that in November, December, you're ready. Not only that, you're checking in, you know the competencies. So now when you do something, you're highlighting the competency, you know, just putting it in a file. That's where I, I did that. Keeping mm -hmm. those data boys, you know, that you get from, you know, other, other uh, people in, in that you work with. Cause I'm sure that's kind of part of what's in this process as well. So that, yes. and then of course, when, when it's time, you have a book of stuff to present and you're, you're packed for bear. Mm -hmm. So you're not slimming on it. You're really going full out. And I, and I think that helps in the, uh, when you go through, give me your feedback on what I've just shared, Sarita. Oh, in terms of uh, the whole packaging. Yeah, I think you're, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, you have to be proactive about it. You have to make sure that you're packaging it. You are accounting for kind of all the kudos you get throughout the way, throughout the way. And so if you do that, right, there really should be no issue when it comes to the promotion discussion. And if your expectations are not met, then you, like you said, you have that book of work that, and then you can say, listen, I, right, this is what we talked about. This is everything I have. I don't understand what the disconnect still is. So I, I totally right. agree. Yeah. So we had, a, we had another question because it, we want to, you want to be in agreement when the time comes. That's, that's the goal, right? You, you do, right? You want to, it might, you know, it, it, it might not be, but that, that is the goal to, to be in agreement. Yeah. Yes. Well, there's, a, I had another question and uh, this is from Tiffany and she asks, are there specific skills or philosophies from your collegiate basketball experience that you use within your current position that impacts your work ethic? So I have to think back a little bit, right? Because I, I was telling Janice, right? I started college in 2001 and I cannot believe that that is about to be 20 years ago. Um, but just, you know, it's the collegiate experience, right? It's definitely hard work. It's resilience, right? Number one is resilience, especially for somebody like me who I, I did not go to Villanova with a basketball scholarship or on a basketball scholarship. And so, um, you know, there was a lot of hard work and, and just resilience, I think, on my part to, to keep at it. And so I definitely bring that with me um, to my workplace every day. There's also the experience of, I really think like the time management was, was is a really big, really big thing. Um, when you have practices for a few hours a day and there are certain classes that you, you have to take, uh, just have, being able to 
factor in how you're going to prepare for those classes, get to the weight room, get to practices. Sometimes we have we would have games in the evenings. Um, just you know, how are you going to factor in all the different things that you have to do, along with the fact of being a, a collegiate athlete? Um, and I think what even like to this day will always comes through as one of my most uh, like positive skill sets is my ability to work with others. I just like my team, my team um, mentality. I, you know, I, for me, it's really all about if the team is doing well, then, then I'm happy. Um, I'm always assessing myself for my, like what personally I'm bringing to the table, but I really am a team player and it's, it's not something that I fake. And I think that whatever role I'm in, people genuinely see that. Hey, cause nobody does anything alone. You know, you can't, I mean, there's just, there's just no way for it to be done. Tiffany says, yes, thank you. Resilience, all of that good stuff. Just pure <laughs> gems. Thank you, Tiffany. That's right. Just pure gems because we do have to be resilient out here. Nothing is coming easy. And, you know, there, there's nothing like getting knocked down or knocked to the side or the wind knocked out of you a bit and you still got to get up and keep rolling. And we don't know how that's going to come, but just being ready and and it's nothing like, and there's nothing like sports to bring it through like that. Mm -hmm. So I don't see any other questions in the chat. So do you have any parting thoughts, Sarita, about <laughs> thinking about building your career? Yes, I would say. It's not a fixed thing. Uh, it evolves. If, um, you know, once you are in the seat, you want to make sure that you understand all the work around you. Um, and really, you know, spend some time early in your career building relationships. I, that's probably one thing that I wish I did a little differently earlier on is just spending more time more on building the relationships and being okay with that awkward feeling of reaching out to people that I didn't necessarily know. Um, so yeah, that's what, that's what I would, I would leave the group with. Another pure gem. That right there <laughs> is a diamond. Done. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to thank you, Sarita. It's been wonderful, wonderful, wonderful getting to know you and hearing your story. And I'm so glad that you were able to take the time during this, during this very unpleasant, uneasy season we're having right now and share uh, very candidly about your career. And I really appreciate it and have enjoyed this conversation immensely. So yes, this is very great. Much. Thank you. You're, you're, you're a gem. Thank you. Thank you for doing and this. I want to thank everybody for attending and um, I appreciate it and hope that you'll be on our next call. All right. Good night. Good night. I hope each of you enjoyed this webinar and learned a few gems you can use on your professional journey. For more inspiration and information to build the career of your dreams, follow me on Instagram at The Real Janice Saunders. Until then, be busy being who you want to be and living a lifestyle that suits you just fine.